Welcome to the latest edition of the Write with Influence podcast, where you can expect 10 to 15 minutes or so of sales messaging techniques so that you can become a powerhouse of persuasive writing with the ability to get people's attention, keep them hooked and get them to buy. But remember to always use this power for good. If you're trying to sell a crappy product or encourage someone to buy something they don't need, well, shame on you. Of course, I know you're not, because it's been said that the Right With Influence listeners are the best of the best. The creme de la creme, the cat's pyjamas. You're just great. I'm writing and recording this episode during some very wet and windy weather here in England. I think it's um, Storm Dennis, this particular one. I don't know when or why they started naming storms. I do remember being very confused when I saw headlines about Desmond uprooting trees or Edna flipping over wheelie bins and Frida bringing misery to commuters because I thought we were seeing a spate of pensioners just going on the rampage, you know, just fed up with the monotony of watching cash in the attic in the afternoon day after day and instead just going out to look for some fun and excitement. And I was a bit disappointed when I discovered otherwise because they sounded like they'd be great people to party with. And that brings me on to today's episode, shaking things up and breaking the monotony of a repetitive sales message. How do you repeat your sales message without sounding spammy? Well, first of all, repetition isn't a bad thing. When you send out a marketing blast, say you're emailing your list with an offer, some people may accept, some people won't buy. The people who don't buy then doesn't mean they will never buy. There are many different reasons people decide not to buy something and it doesn't always mean they don't want it. For example, it might not be the right time for them. They might be too busy to take your course or they don't have an upcoming occasion that warrants them booking in for a makeover at your salon. They may not have the money for the purchase at the time. It may be a decision that they're going to make just after payday. And they may not see what they need to in your marketing in order to have the confidence to buy. Ultimately, what you need to understand is that just because someone says no to your offer, it doesn't mean they're saying no to your product. They're just saying no to your marketing at that particular time. I mean, think about it. Let's say your friend invites you out for dinner for Friday and you say no. Now, hopefully that doesn't mean your friend thinks, this person doesn't like to eat dinner with me, therefore I will never ask them out again. That's crazy. But it's easy to forget this in our marketing because we don't get that immediate response from our customers. If you're talking to a friend, they may say, it's not a great time, I can't really afford it, I'm a little bit ran down this week, and we'd understand and that would be fine, but we would probably ask them again in future. With our customers, when we send something out and they don't engage, we don't always get the feedback about why someone isn't engaging. We know that they said no, but we don't necessarily know why. So you shouldn't stop marketing just because someone says no once. Repetition is good. It keeps you visible and front of mind when your customer is ready to buy. But repetition of exactly the same thing, that's not what you want to do. There's a guy... I don't know how I got on his email list, but he's from a content marketing company. And every few weeks I get an email from him that says, need quality blog posts written as the subject line. And I've had exactly the same subject line from him for the past at least four to five emails. And the body of the email, it's about 98% the same as the previous email. Very little changes. It may be an update to 
when their offer is about to run out. It's a little bit like, and I don't know if this is a universal example, but when I was growing up, there was a very large furniture company that did, you know, sofa, dining room tables, etc. And their TV adverts, their sale was always ending that Sunday. And then next week, the sale again would be extended, but ending that Sunday. And it became this little comedic quirk in their advertising. So going back to this email sequence that I'm getting every few weeks, it's exactly, exactly the same email, pretty much. What do you think happens? I mean, I keep them just as a research, as an example of marketing that you probably shouldn't aspire to. But there's a good chance that if I am a potential customer, if I just keep getting the same exact message, I'm going to start to ignore it. It becomes invisible because if you just say the same things again and again and again, you become so familiar, it's very easy to ignore. Remember, persuasive writing is about having a conversation with someone and building a relationship so that that person trusts you. Marketing should read and feel like a real life conversation, not like a robot that just spits out the same answer again and again and again. Now, some things you do want to see again and again completely unchanged. I could watch Step Brothers over a hundred times and never grow tired of it. No power tools! Repeating the exact same message again and again isn't going to progress your marketing results. You know, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So you don't just want to blindly repeat the same message. There has to be some kind of progress. And the progress you want is that your customer gets a fuller, more rounded image of what it is that you do and trusting that you can do it. Think about it this way. You know when you have a crush on someone and you just wanna find out a little bit more about them each time you see them? It's still the same person, but you wanna find out what music they like, you know, what they like to do to relax, the movies they enjoy watching, their inside leg measurements, any relevant medical history and sleeping position. Each new piece of information is like a little hook. It's a connection point that makes you feel closer to someone. And if that crush then turns to love, real love, you continue to make more of those little connections together over hopefully many, many years. You know, those shared moments that only mean something to you both. In fact, I read that when you break up with someone, it's the absence of the person who understands those little moments that can often be the most painful part. Showing a slightly different angle in your marketing message is a way of helping customers really get to know you and that builds trust. And if you think about it, if you're only saying the same thing again and again, you're giving someone a very small snapshot about what it is that you have to offer. And yet you're asking people to invest in you based on that tiny piece of information. Let's bring it back to relationships again. I have a secret love for trashy women's magazines. There's a handful of these UK publications and I don't read them regularly, but they tend to have headlines like, well, let me just consult the ones I have here. Um, Ladies man Les strikes again. Would you take this rat back? And rat faked being a millionaire to bed all three of us. And finally, I rummaged in his pants and found him cheating. Now, I know that infidelity can happen for many complex reasons. But in these magazines, there does tend to be a common theme of, well, jumping into a relationship before really knowing someone. And spoiler alert, doesn't usually end well. 
Hi Lisa, lovely to meet you. I'm a reporter with the UK's Women's Weekly. Let's talk about it. And I'm just going to take notes about your story and write it up and it should be out in a couple of weeks time. And you pay 250 quid, right? That's right. So in your own time, just start from the beginning. So I was in Yates's with my mates and we just downed a load of tequila shots. Clinking glasses in the wine bar with friends. I was ready to let my hair down and have some fun. I went to the bar for a Guinness and a bag of pork scratchings because I was starving and, well, that's like a meal, isn't it? I was pretty by this point. I went to the bar to order some appetizers, feeling confident as I made my way through the crowd. And I'm trying to elbow my way to the front, right, because it's rammed, but it's not a problem because it's mostly these little skinny lasses and a couple of elbows and a glare from me. Well, not going to mess, are they? But then I come up against this big lad in the queue a bit like Shrek, but with a massive smile. He sees me trying to get to the front of everyone. It makes him laugh, right? And he says, go on then, love, get in front and I'll get behind you. And him and all his mates laugh real loud. A tall man with smiling eyes saw me waiting patiently and chivalrously let me go ahead of him. So we start chatting, because we're there for ages, because the bar staff are dead slow. And he tells me I can buy him a Guinness to pay him back for letting me in front. And I said, do you know how much they are in this place? He looked a bit shocked, but said he'd have half a mild instead, and I thought, well, that'd probably be all right. I bought him a drink to say thank you, and he was surprised. I don't think he was used to a lady paying her way, but I'm a modern woman. Anyway, we get chatting, and he's all right. And after a few more pints, he looked, well, doable. So I said he could come back to mine if he got me a kebab. The conversation flowed as smoothly as the wine, and at the end of an enchanted evening, he walked me home and stayed the night. And that was pretty much it. He was always just there after that, which was fun. But then after a few weeks, right, well, he was just always there, drinking me Guinness and playing video games in the day. And then he'd disappear at night. He told me he was freelance, right? So worked unusual hours and often had to entertain clients. I thought, got to be something to do with the internet because all his clients were like real young look like them vloggers you know dead attractive and stuff and I used to have to give him money for it and he said it'd be all right because I could probably expense it on my tax or something which I think means like the government will give you it back late nights away and exotic dinners without me something didn't add up anyway one day I come home he's f***ing some lass on my couch Turns out he wasn't a freelancer. He was a brickie who'd been thrown off site because he kept f***ing outside. And he owes me 800 quid now. I could never have imagined the truth. Repetition in marketing is about showing up again and again, but with a slightly new and different take on your message so you can build those hooks that make people like, know and trust you. So how do you do it? Well, by trying different angles on the theme of the problem that you solve. The number of different angles is really only limited by your imagination, but let me walk you through a quick example. Let's say you have a parenting guide aimed at parents of teenagers. So it's helping parents have a better relationship with their children. Instead of being like the guy from the content marketing site saying, do you want a parenting guide every single time? We could split this up into different angles very easily. Off the top of my head, I can think of about five simple themes we could use. For example, 
high-level objectives, symptoms of the problem, changes they want to see, risks of leaving things the way that they are, and perhaps tackling a workaround that they're using that isn't working. What I mean by a workaround is when they're using other resources or solutions that isn't what you have, and they're not getting the results that they want. These five examples are all key areas in my copywriting snapshot. And this is a document that I build for all client products that I'm ever going to market. It's in-depth and breaks down what the customer wants, what their life looks like now, how the product improves their life, etc. So that when I sit down to write, I have all this rich information to hand. So first, let's walk through some sample subject lines that we could create around these different themes. So first, high-level objectives. Very simply, what does the customer want? If we were sending an out, out an email, we could have a subject line such as, do you want a better relationship with your teen? Next, if we wanted to think about some ways that we could touch upon the symptoms of the problem, how the problem is showing up in their life, we might have a subject line of, is your teen sulky or moody? Next, we might want to look at the changes that they want to see. Remember, we looked at this in episode 11, which will help you come up with more ideas for this when we looked at butterfly moments. But for our subject line here, we might have something like, you know, what's possible when your teenager opens up to you? Next, risks. And we looked at this in episode 12, if you want to get some more ideas about that. Is it too late to get your teenager to trust you? And if we wanted to touch upon a workaround that isn't working, it might be something like why most parenting classes don't work. These are very simple. I'm not saying go out and use these subject lines, but it gives you a springboard to think about ideas for how to shake up your sales message so that you can repeat your marketing without ever sounding spammy. So those five examples that I just gave you were high level objectives. What is it that they want? Symptoms of the problem. How is that showing up in their life? The change that they want to see, the transformation that they want to achieve, the risk of leaving things the way that they are, and workarounds. What have they tried that isn't working for them? That's all for today's quick message. Don't forget to let me know your comments, thoughts, or questions. And if you have a copy problem that you would like me to fix on the show, please do get in touch. Till next time, keep believing and remember, Variety is the spice of life, is it? Jonathan? Sandra, hi. Have you been here long? Oh no, just long enough to soak up the atmosphere and get myself on the right astral plane so I can be the best me to connect to the best you. Good that you weren't waiting long. Dating agency said you just got out of a long relationship. Tell me about it. Cheater, eater, beater. What? No. We've just been together a long time and too comfortable. Boring, yeah? Maybe. That's why I'm here. Looking to shake things up in your love department. I'm a life guru, you see. A what? A guru. Guru is so 2017, you know. I'm not gonna tell you to eat raw food and meditate. I'm going to tell you to be raw and explorate. I'm not sure what that means. Shall we order? I think I'm going to start with the buffalo mozzarella. Interesting. Why, Sandra? Tell me the method behind that decision. I like cheese. 
That's so why you are where you are. You're doing what you know you like. That seems to make sense. It's boring. What's the thing you are least likely to order? Um, probably the flaming hot jalapeno infused mushroom stuff with foie gras. Ugh. That is what you should get, but I won't like it. That's not the point, Sandra. You gotta shake it up, push the boundaries. Madame, Monsieur, ready to order? Two of the flaming hot jalapeno infused mushrooms with foie gras. And Sandra, tell me, what do you like to drink? Just a glass of uh, house red would be great. Mm -mm -mm. She'll have a Cointreau and peppermint liqueur. That sounds rank. I don't like either of those things. That's everything for now. Thank you. Merci. Look, Sandra, I've taken a lot of psychedelic substances in my time, and you know why they improve your life? No. Because they make you unlearn everything you've learned. That seems a bit daft. You start from scratch. You might look at a table and think, yeah, that's a table. I know what a table looks like. But what if we don't just push the boundaries, but erase them? Why couldn't that table also be a television or a necktie? Because it's a table. No, Sandra, look, you need to forget everything you think you like and start trying the things you don't like. It's all about variety these days. But why would I spend 37 years getting to know how much I love cheese only to turn my back on cheese? Because there might be something better than cheese. There isn't, there really isn't. But you're putting boundaries on yourself, Sandra. Eliminate them. No, boundaries are good. They let you know where the road ends so you can stay alive. And as for unlearning everything I've learned, why do I want to get rid of the common sense I've built up over the years? Why, why would I want to look at something on fire and suddenly get curious about it, wondering if it could be a necktie? That's nuts. Oh, Sandra. I'm gonna turn your world upside down tonight. I'm gonna take you to places you think you'd hate. I'm gonna give you food you think will make you sick and it's okay because we're gonna go on this journey together. I'm gonna be with you every step of the way, babe. Except for now because I need a I'll go to the little boy's room or maybe I'll go to the woman's room and shake things up. Oh God, this is gonna be a long night. Sandra? Steve? What are you doing here? I'm... Oh, you want a date? Yeah. Kinda. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'll leave you to it. Are you here on a date too? No, I dropped in to pick up some takeaway. Their mozzarella starter is amazing. So I got three. I shouldn't, but I'm just heading back now. It's Friday, so a few beers. Yeah, watch a bit of Bob's Burgers and Modern Family and then flip through some country songs on YouTube. I know, I, I know, I'm so predictable. It's terrible, isn't it? Even after we... I guess I'm just a sucker for a routine. Please, can I come with you? What about... Why would I spend years getting to know what I like, what I love, to turn my back on it for a Cointreau and peppermint liqueur? What? Exactly. 